Thank you for tuning in to the local DMV Business and Leisure Podcast. I hope you're having a wonderful day. So today, first and foremost, I want to thank you for tuning in. I know you could be anywhere doing anything. Today we have a great end-of-the-year review podcast episode today. But before we get started, most importantly, please follow us on the local DMV Business and Leisure uh, account on Instagram, uh, uh, local DMV Business and Leisure podcast, um, which is that's our Instagram location. I'm Lisa, a digital marketing lead generation expert here today. And so I think that's all. Also, please don't forget to take our um, DC quiz, uh, trivia quiz. Um, the link will be in the bio and also it was on our Instagram account. So it's a fun way to test your knowledge of the DMV area. A lot of interesting questions. One of them is sports related, which does tie into our topic today. So once again, thank you for tuning in. Um, follow us on Instagram. And here is um, our awesome guest today. Aqui Smith graduated from Temple, and he majored in entrepreneurship and is an entrepreneur in the ed tech gaming space. He is an avid Eagles and sports fan. He is also a self-professional, professional, along with being a creator and founder of a YouTube show called Let's Talk About It, where they tackle different sports debates. Please follow them on Instagram at L3, the number 3, T. As talk about it zero zero on Instagram. So that's L three T S talk about it zero zero on Instagram. So, so they have a lot of great conversations. It's not friendly. It's very friendly and interesting, and they cover sports from a very different angle. But most importantly, thank you, please, for coming there. Um, are you there? Happy uh, uh, holidays. Yeah, happy holidays, everybody out there. Yeah, I'm here. I'm ready to go. So we have How's holidays going on for you. Oh, but I'm okay for the most part. Um, and also, just so, so we, the audience can understand, this is going to be a two-part episode. First and foremost, we're going to cover the NBA and the WNBA for half of it. And the other half will be another episode where we will cover the NFL. But a lot of it, because both of our knowledge kind of is more basketball-focused, we'll cover that a little bit heavier. And the other half will be the NFL. So I want to thank you so much for being here today. I know you could be anywhere doing anything, Equis. So I wanted to kind of jump right in and get your thoughts about because I know there's you know the the sports world there's various places one could keep up on what's happening. So where do you where do you like to go on social media or including YouTube to keep up in terms of players, analysts? Where where do you where do you what do you recommend? And do you like? A couple places I go. I mean I go to I go to you know, the daily sports take shows. So you know I ESPN you know first take uh, you know undisputed. You watch those all the smoke. With Steven Jackson and uh, Matt Barnes, they had a podcast. Um, you had Knuckleheads, Quentin, Quinn Richardson, and Darius Miles. Those are some kind of places I go just to kind of filter out. Also, Twitter, you know, once I'm trend, you just go on Twitter, type in the search bar, just see what everybody's opinions are on it. Just kind of, you know, that's how you try to filter how everybody's reacting to the news or how you get updates on the situation. So it was those are kind of ways I kind of, you know, go check it out, see what's going on in the sports world. Do you have favorite players or teams that you like to follow? Yeah, I mean, like, the you know, LeBron, I follow um, Shams. Uh, if you if you um, have a basketball fan, you know Shams. Shams breaks all the news. Uh, Woj breaks all the news as well. You need to follow those two guys because they, if anything happened, they'll, they'll know in the first 10 seconds that it happened, so. Those two guys I definitely follow. I follow those two. 
Braun, Damian Lillard. That's probably about it. As far as like you know, directly following those guys. Okay, well that's great. I guess I had my small shout out. Uh, one, I think for me, it's been I'm always interested in how players interact and have conversations on the social media channels. So one, I thought I did start following Damian Leonard. I think in the bubble because he had a lot to say about other players and things. So that was kind of interesting. And then I think for me, so he has kind of a different personality on the platform. Then Giannis, because I, I saw that he had a very highly curated, marketing-ready type of approach to being on the platform. So I thought that was interesting. I think those are kind of my main two. Then, as you mentioned, Ball is Life, Slam, they have a high school and a professional addition to that. I think those are kind of my go-tos. And there's just probably a bunch of other stuff that I follow that I don't really, you know, it's just part of the feed. Okay, so generally, what are your thoughts about COVID and its impact? Well, first, which, you know, most importantly, on the NBA and how they handled it. For, yeah, the NBA, I mean, NBA did a good job, but the NBA also has a, a easier job just because they don't have as many players compared to, you know, the NFL. You know, the NFL has a lot of players, 50, like 52. So it's easier to manage when you have, like, 12 players the team, I mean, and some staff members. So before what they had to do, they definitely – did the best just far as they didn't even have really any positive tests. And when they did, they locked you down. It didn't spread. So they did a good job. Um, but they had time. They planned, you know, from when they shut down in, like, I think March. And then they planned and had a bulletproof plan. So um, they did a great job for it. So I, I definitely appreciate what the NFL, I mean, NBA did with it. And then I guess as a related question, how do you feel – there was like a four-month four break. How do you feel like the break impacted the playoff landscape for the NBA? Well, if you were old, you definitely got that rest that you probably needed. So guys like LeBron or other older guys in the league, you know, having those four months off might, you know, might re up, you know, get you back going again. So at least – or it could do the opposite. It could be like cool your body down and now you got to restart again, which might be harder when you're older. So – um, it definitely changed. You you had some teams that probably wouldn't have made it, maybe, if it wasn't for the bubble. Like maybe the Heat, maybe the Heat might might made it to the finals. Um, but they were the most disciplined team, which is why they made it that far. So the effects of the bubble didn't really – I don't think it hit them as much as it hit other teams because they have a stern culture, stern, like, you know, how they show up for work, eyes on the task, and I think that's why they made it so far. When you have a team that's built like that, the circumstances around the bubble don't even matter. Like, like when your leader, Jimmy Butler, he's literally only focused on basketball. He don't care about talking to other people, hanging out, just focused on basketball. I'm pretty sure the whole team was like that. And that's why you've seen them in the finals. Okay. And then sort of related, you and I had some text conversations about this, the whole Giannis situation, that contract. What are your thoughts about that and, and how that is going to, also reshape the Eastern Conference because they are in the Eastern Conference, correct? That's correct. So I mean, Giannis, I mean the Bucks. The Bucks are a, a good team, but you know the NBA, you can kind of tell who's gonna, who's legit, a team that's going to win it or has a chance to win it, and who doesn't. As of now, I don't think they have a chance to win it. They do. They are a very good team, though. Like far as like their starting five is built, um, they kind of lack a bench, at least a consistent bench, if you ask me. For him signing, though, that's, that's a big thing for the league. I mean, just because he's not going to the Warriors or uh, uh, trying to, you know, have another super team with a team that's already, you know, stacked. 
So at least you know you're not going to have to worry about that. Um, but him resigning there in a small market definitely will do well for them. So hopefully he can attract some other people to come with him. Maybe, you know, help bolster a team because I don't think Middleton as a second option is going to do it or Drew Holiday as a second option is going to do it. So they need – they still need, like, one more definitive second piece. Like LeBron has AD, KDS, Kyrie, you know, Steph had Clay. You know, they need a definitive second piece. If they don't get that, they're still going to, you know, unfortunately lose again, at least this year. Okay, that sounds fair. And then of note, John Wall um, left the Wizards. So I was wondering if he had an opinion on that. He was, in my mind, helped to define that team and the D.C. metro area for such a long time. And I, in my opinion, I felt like there should have been more, I guess, of a thanks or I guess more of a splashy exit for him, for lack of a better way to describe it. Oh, you, you mean like the way they, uh, how he kind of just, he just left and it was it? about other teams where that player became the team for them to some degree and I guess I'm just mentioning that because of note we're also kind of focusing to some degree on East Coast teams and I just think about of the, of the, the teams on the I-95 corridor, New York of course, you got the Rutgers, you think about basketball there, there's multiple courts there, Philly has a great imprint, you have the Pleasure, longest running active collegiate basketball court D.C. has a kind of the history is there, but it's not as much. But I think he helped to create a foundation there during that time, and it was something to look towards. I mean, I've had to do research to find out more about that basketball culture there. It's not as nascent in, as it is in Philadelphia or New York. So that's why I guess I'm thinking, give a man a little extra kudos, but maybe I'm just thinking at a very broad level, if that's if that adds context. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sports go, I mean, you got to earn that type of – you know, that, that type of, you know, love and praise when you leave. And you got to win. And if you don't win, it's kind of, you know, you can just leave at that point. That's not really – team is not really that bonded to you, especially for him. He didn't, they didn't win when he was there. Um, he also missed the last two years, kind of became more Brad Bill's team. So wow. it's okay. not even – it was easier for them to just part ways with him and, not, and just keep moving. I mean, they didn't see him in years, and they didn't win with him, so it's not – he didn't kind of earn that type of love that you, you know, that some players get. If you know, but you got to win. Got to win. Give it all out on the floor. Got to be available. He played hard when he played. I ain't gonna say he didn't play hard, but just you got to win. You know, that's the main thing. You got to win. And thank you for that uh, point about the two years, because I think that does make a difference. And then I think most notably, what is your opinion on the current? Uh, Ball family and their adventures in, in terms of coming into the league and impact of the most um, current entrants into the NBA and the ones that are existing players in the NBA. Yeah, as far as like what Labar did, I mean, you know, that's an achievement just to get two of your sons to be lottery picks. Like, that is a achievement in itself. And I think as far as what he was doing, his type of marketing of them is the reason they went that high. They probably would have been a lottery pick, but I don't think they would have been as high as they went. Like, you know, LaMelo being, you know, number, you know, drafted where he's at, number three, and then having um, Lonzo go as high as he was. So I don't think that would have happened if he wasn't, you know, as out there and braggadocious about his kids as he was. So they did a good job there. I mean, Leangelo got signed and then got waived. So 
hopefully he gets another opportunity. Um, but, you know, and I think I, I've been seeing a lot, though, when it comes to LaVar, like the whole family, people kind of pick and choose how he was criticized. Like, like people are saying, like, they were criticizing him because he wanted his sons to be in the league. Like, nah, it was a lot of the in-between things he was doing and saying that kind of, you know, made people turn people off. Like, you know, talking about uh, LeBron's son and, you know, uh, talking about, you know, you're going to be better than Mike and you're going to beat Mike. And, you know, it was a lot of things, you know, you know, going, you know, and being inappropriate when he was on um, ESPN. It's just certain things that he did in between that, like um, his business ventures where, you know, people didn't get their orders. and It was things like that. Like, you know, so it was it was a lot of things in between that that he was doing. That's why people, you know, had that, had that reputation about him. You know, I don't think people owe him apology, but – as far as, like, his parents and skills. Like, he did a good job getting his kids in there, though. I mean, because I think his other kid probably would have been in the league, too, if he didn't steal in China where he got caught shoplifting. Then I think that kind of, you know, messed him up. But he did a good job. So Lonzo is having a great – well, the year just started, but he's his shot is much improved. So he definitely looks like a kid who's going to keep working to improve his game. And LaMelo, you know, just got to wait and see. Uh, for what I see, he's a great passer, though, so – Looks like they both kind of got that that great passing in their family. Okay, and I, I wanted to be fair. I was mostly speaking of when I say adventures, who they are, how they're impacting the league, how their sons. Not so much judging their behavior on or off the court, but they've been very successful in the NBA endeavors. Is that a, a accurate a capture of how you would describe the Ball family in their current situation? Uh. Only not really, only because only one son's in the league. The other son just got in the league, so he hasn't okay. really done anything. So it's not really anything negative on or off the court to say about him. He didn't really do anything yet. So okay. um he's just starting off. Um Lonzo's been pretty quiet off the court, so he hasn't really okay. done anything either. So they've been actually handling themselves like professionals, you know, at least for, you know, the time they have been in the league, they had they are holding themselves as professionals. They're not they're you know, they're not allowed and being cocky and being extra. So uh, I think they got good heads on their shoulders. They'll, they'll be okay. They definitely got the right attitude. They look mature. They look like they're pretty mature so far. Okay, and I appreciate that. I guess I was only bringing – I think it's been in a path or a process from the marketing and branding to getting the getting the visibility to getting them in the league and all the business part in terms of branding and products for the Ball family. And so I think it's been a overall – process or adventure, so to speak, to, you know, bring the business elements in, bring the children to the league in that respect. Well, did, well, did you think, would you think they would beat, did you, I mean, did you um, follow the ball saga before they got to the NBA? Like, were you um, paying close attention to them before they, like, in the college, were you, like, following their story? I have not really, I a lot of what you described to me was new information. I just know there's been, and I, I'm, I'm not using venture in any negative or positive connotation, but I think they, at least the way the media has coveraged them, has, coverage has been as such, is that it's been very interesting. They, they've created a bit of a story and, and different aspects of the story, like you mentioned about things about Jordan and other coming at other players. So it's been very, a, a bit of an adventure, I guess if that makes sense, in terms of the whole process for them. Does that make sense, how I'm, why I'm saying what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. They, um, I don't know if that style of marketing 
uh, it probably definitely won't be a trend only because I don't, you got to have, it got to be authentic. I, I really think that's LeVar. So I don't know if, you know, if there are any other parents like that. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if this is going to be replicated as far as that type mm-hmm. of way to kind of help, help your, you know, your sons get out there market, marketability wise. Um, Cause even, you know, they tried everything, you know, they had their own league, they made uh mellow, one of the players in the league and, you know, try to help him, you know, get stock. Like they did some unconventional things, pulled him out yeah. of school. Like they were, yeah. they were like, so, you know, that path got them to where they are though now. So I don't know if, you know, it's interesting to see if somebody, you know, picks up that, try to pick up, not that same exact model, but, you know, mm-hmm. kind of, you know, look at that model and, you know, might try that because they, you know, they, he got his son more popular than some NBA players and yeah. <laughs> they wouldn't even in the NBA. So, and yeah. so that is, that, that is, that is commendable in itself, you know, just far yeah. as like, you know, doing that. But I think, you know, being, they were just smart, man. They, you, you pray on, the media needs something to talk about. And I think LeVar just preyed on their thirstiness of being, you know, them, them just like him saying anything. They'll invite him on the show, talk about it. Like he was just a, a ratings machine. And, you know, he kept fun on it. They both helped each other. He was helping them and they was helping him. So, you know, you get a relationship like that with him, you know. And then you use your son every chance you get. I mean, that's that's, that's brilliant. You know, just far as you know, just looking at it. Yes, and that's why I call it an adventure. Because most times we're going to talk about Zionex. There's usually some, a very straight path. You you play in high school, middle school. You go to travel leagues. You go to college. You you do um, types of different holiday camps or whatever the case. You you, you um, on the off season you maybe go to New York, some classic courts. Maybe go to the G League or you go right to the NBA. The path is very particular. Clearly, was an adventure for them. They went overseas. They started this and that. And I really admire that because they were going to like we're going to make this work. And so that you know versus the more traditional path, if that makes sense. Definitely. And then moving forward, this is a little personal, close to my heart. I'm a Duke fan, so that's part of what is interesting for me about this. So my question to you about Zion's impact on the league, you know, current future, and also we mentioned that four month break. From what I saw, but maybe you know the media content I consumed wasn't was a bit biased but it seems as though he had transformed himself over those four months during that break so I guess my question is about Zion's impact in the league current and future and then that transformation it appeared you know from what the journalists were saying that he underwent physically for those four months Zion um his impact on the league will it will it will go through a um, transformation just far as like a he has a high impact in the league as far as when he came in first year I think it's going to take a dip when he starts probably losing and then they'll go up again once he starts winning but at some point you know there'll be a next media darling and then they'll focus on them so I think right now he's still on the high you know they still want to see his progression this is first year actually full year well you know if he stays healthy God willing he stays healthy but yeah this will be his first year so you know he'll be the, the media darling now um as far as what he can do on the court I mean you got a guy that can average what twenty six a game, probably just off all dunks. Like so, I mean, if he gets like a shot, I mean, he probably average thirty. So, you talking about a guy who's just physically overbearing on a lot of players that have to guard him, and he's grown men. You know, Diane like twenty, but he built like a linebacker, probably bigger than a linebacker. So, just watching him manhandle some of these grown men on the court, it's kind of <laughs> I haven't seen that in a while. Just as far as like. Since probably like Shaq, 
or somebody just pushing people out the way, dunking on them and taking a ball out of their hands and dunking on them again. So that impact on NBA is going to have it, – it, it'll, it'll be – for the media, it'll be more of an impact than what it actually is on the league until he starts winning. So, you know, give him time. Like, you know, he just got in the league. But, yeah, once you, once you start winning, that's when he really becomes, you know, is he the best in the league? You had those combos and things like that. So um, as far as that future on his uh, team, the Pelicans, they, they are a team that can beat you any given night because they're, they're just – they have a solid three players that just ball out or at least can ball out you know with Lonzo he can he, he has a much improved shot now so he, he he's going to be a, a sniper out there um he can run the offense then you got Brandon Ingram who's a stud then you got Zion and then you got the other guys you got Josh Hart solid bench player Steven Adams solid big man Eric Bledsoe veteran solid point guard J.J. Redick so they could be training given night, so I think they're going to be led. But I don't know the dynamic, who's going to be the leader, either Zion or Ingram. I think that's going to be interesting to see in the next, you know, couple of years. And as far as I mean, his body goes, do you, did you, uh, when you was watching him in the bubble, did he, did he look like he looked like he was in good shape? So to be fair, what I saw was a there was one. I think I was watching first take or something. They thought well, he transformed himself. For me, what I was watching, physically speaking, was I was going back and watching Jay Morant versus Zion coming down off the basket. And what I was looking at was pre his injury. And then I, t- I looked at what he did afterwards. So I was looking at how he was coming down, also that he was teachable, one, to go physically, you know, based on what the – because in the bubble you really couldn't see as close as I wanted to see. But in terms of supposedly losing body weight, becoming leaner, and then also being willing to revisit his, his gant, how he walked, because those are the things that are kind of become natural to you um, as an athlete. You know, I'm a bit of a runner, but right. that first step, the first step, you have a, you know, I catch it with myself. I have a first step. I always take it with my right or my left. So my point is, is that he was trainable and malleable. So I was thinking about those, and then I, I thought about the mere fact that this early on he's willing to be malleable, that this is going to give him more longevity than, a, you know, some of the other players. Like I think about Shaq and um, Elijah wants some other big men that you know, and also technology is different now. You're able to really uh, track and manage players physically. Um, there's so much more data points. And then right. I thought about uh, Morant, and I'm thinking this guy's like a gazelle coming off the off the bat. That's naturally. He, had, to my, the best of my knowledge, he hasn't had to do the level of transformation about how he comes off of a dunk, how he comes off the basket. And I'm like, that's my next question about Morant. I think he has a lot more naturally, athletically, intuitively. There's a lot more there in, in some respects, and we may be sleepy on him, though I'm excited about Zion. I'm a Duke fan. I'm like, mm, I think sometimes the, the the person gets less hype may be the one we need to keep our eye on. Yeah, as far as Zion goes, I mean, when you're that athletically, like, gifted, you kind of, like, those are the guys I worry about getting injured the most just mm-hmm. because they, they, they put so much pressure on the athletic, they know their legs, you know, they got to make sure they land right coming off of those dunks, like, if you don't, you could put come down on your your knees a little bit too hard. You know, Zion holding up that body weight, all that pressure. You know, and, you know, all in order where you know he's at a good weight, and you know he has the mechanics right as far as how he lands and how he moves. So we don't see any you know bad injuries for him because you know the weight he's at. If he gets like an injury, I, I could see him being overweight at you know coming back from the injury if he can't like you know work out just because he he's in that thin line already. Um, but for as far as like you know, even Morant, I see Morant do a couple of dunks and 
the way he lands is kind of like a watch out, like, you know, relax a little bit. Like some of these guys, you know, they're so athletically gifted. I feel like with Zion, I mean, you know, as far as I'm like, I, I think it'll be cool. He looked like he has, you know, he's been working on his body all summer. So, well, you know, the minimal summer they had, he was working on his body. So I feel like, you know, each each year he's going to keep working on his body, getting better and better. So it'll be all right. I'm not going to make too much of a fuss talking about a year in. A lot of guys have stuff to work on a year in. So it might be his body, jump shot, whatever. He'll get it. He'll be all right. He'll get it um, put together. My my next one, Jay Morant. Are we not talking about him enough? And is he the next sleeper success? Like, you know, we've made a lot of noise, including myself, about Zion. I mean, is this a guy we need to watch? I've watched a lot, you know, not a lot, but I've watched some film of him, and I'm like, maybe we need to talk about this guy a little bit more. He seems very e- awesome, if not equally equally awesome than Zion. No, I mean, he gets he gets it just do. I mean, he had 42 yesterday, so I mean, he was already a, he was already balling during the season. But um, <laughs> I think it's just he gets his uh, he gets it just do. I mean, he um, you know, Zion's the uh, you know, the media, whatever's gonna get you ratings. You talk about you know, Zion's the big rating guy. You know, the big. You know, when they haven't, you know, watched him, somebody like him in a while. You've seen John Morant before. Like, you've true. seen athletic point guards. You've seen athletic point guards before. Russell Westbrook, mm-hmm. Derrick Rose. Like, you've mm-hmm. seen athletic people. Like, John Morant is just an athletic point guard. So, you've seen that before. Um, Zion, you probably haven't seen that before at his body weight. Like, he, mm-hmm. the way he's built, being like, you know, 6'8", six, 6'9", six, like 280 or whatever he is. You haven't, and somebody can move like that. You haven't seen that in a long. You haven't seen that before, so that's why he gets so much coverage. Like we've seen John Morant before, we haven't seen a Zion before, so at least in a while. So that's why he, you know, gets all that the coverage. But John Morant is going to be a. Um, I think it's going to just come down who who team wins the most. You know, John Morant, and um, you know, if he gets in the playoffs, we'll talk about him way more than Zion. And Zion's missing the playoffs, you know, so. Um, John Random, he probably would have got more talk if he would have made it last year. They had the eighth seed and lost it, so you probably would talk about him a lot more because Zion and them went home early. So um, based on their success, you know, I think it's, you know, because they came in the same class and they both, like, dominant, but the fact they're not in equal positions, we really can't see them go head-to-head, really. Like, Zion's not going to guard, you know, John Moran. John Moran ain't going to guard Zion, they too. So, but they were, like, equally you know, same position, that will be a good head to head to watch. And I guess also part of that question was, I was thinking about, to your point, about the winning, with who, who would get the ring first? And, and I guess that's, that's what part of my question was. Oh, that is it's so early to say. Um, I'm not, uh, it's so early to say, um, but if anybody, who, who, if you ask me who has a better team now, definitely the Pelicans. Um, I'd definitely say that they have the better team. It's not by big margin, though. Uh, you know, Memphis got Dylan Brooks, who's solid. Uh, they got Valachunas, who's solid. You know, they have Jaron Jackson, who's injured right now. He's solid. And then they have Morant. So they, they, they have a good, you know, about four players. Um, they have Clark, Brandon Clark. He's pretty good, too. So they got a good four or five players. But um, they don't have a stud like New Orleans has. They have Brandon Ingram, who's better than all those other players besides. So, and so, yeah, I think Kelly has definitely got a better team right now. I see them going farther the Moran them, as it currently stands. That's fair. And then last, before we start with the NBA, do you have any opinions or views on the G League and how that's transformed um, the NBA and basketball? Did you want to speak to that a little bit? Yeah, we covered this topic on um, on the show, um, just as far as, like, is the G League 
going to be a rival to the NCAA, and we had a good debate about that. Um, I, I came from the perspective that the NCAA is always going to be the NCAA, um, but they, um, my colleague, you know, my coach, they um, felt like the G League was going to take, you know, probably be, you know, take over. Seeing some of the steps they're planning on doing, like they're planning on, you know, paying the guys, letting the guys get endorsements and things like that, which the NCAA was weren't doing. They're allowing you to have an uptick of competition because a lot of those dudes in the G League, some of them played in the NBA. So you play in high-level competition. So you're getting that run. And then you're kind of directly, you know, you have scouts coming from those teams watching their every game. So you have that every game, you know. You have probably more of a direct connection to the NBA with the G League than you have with the uh, with the NCAA. So I could definitely see the G League still ascending up. They already have some big-name players um, this year um, coming to the G League. So all they need is, you know, keep getting the big fish to go straight there instead of, you know, the NCAA. And they, they will be able to go, you know, up. Now, if you – now, if the NCAA changes their high school and lets you come out of high school, that can, you know, that can make, you know, the competition much more of a harder choice between G League and the CAA. Until that happens, G League definitely seems to me, if I was a player, the better option to go to as far as the experience I get, everything. That would be just better. And I can make money off my liking and everything? Yeah, you can't beat that. I agree. And I think from a digital, actually, I do follow them on, I think, Instagram and a couple other platforms. They just seem to really have an excited fan base. They're really profile on the players. They really, they're doing well with the marketing um, online. And I, I think, to your point, I'm definitely excited. I think my only question is, how does, what does that look like from the bench perspective? In baseball, they do farm leagues. They kind of bring them up and they various baseball teams will do that, have a farm league and bring the players up and kind of, you know, build a team to some degree. Atlanta Braves is probably a team of, of example who does that. So I guess my question is how does that then transform the bench, if at all? And also, but we've gotten some all-stars that have come from the G League. So I think it could be, I don't see too many downsides. The NBA is trying to do it. You know, it's, it's twofold because if you're getting these, these high recruits going to your G League, you you building up the G League and you building up the NBA. You could, you know, possibly get, it's a twofold since they work together. They're raising you know, the profile of the G League, and they're doing a lot for the players. You get that up, you know, that funnels into right into the NBA, you know, get that up. Because as you – I don't know if you saw, but as time goes on, it feels like the NBA and the NCAA aren't working together as they were in the past. Like, it seems like one is doing something that might affect the other. So that is a big thing to look at, you know, as far as how the future goes with these two. Because if they're going opposite ways and they're not on the same page – then the G League and the NBA become a powerhouse. So who knows what they might be able to keep adding and funneling and keep changing what rules they're going to do. And that might be – that that that's, that could be a scary thing for the NCAA if they can just make that as much attractive. Like if you – say you went to the – you coming out of high school, you go straight to the G League, you're already making 50000 70000 off your liking and whatever endorsements, whatever they're letting you do. Yeah, you can't – yeah, that that's gonna be. I like the G League what they're doing. Um, from a perspective, competitive perspective, when you're on the G League, I mean, you kind of just, you know, I know what you're saying about the bench and everything like that. You'll always probably get a shot if you ball out. You know, players get injured all the time in the NBA, so you know, you just wait for your call and you get up there and you you got a ten day contract. Do what you got to do. They do a lot of two way contracts now with some players spend 
half of the time in the G League and half of the NBA. So um, I think it won't, you know, won't affect the bench too much. But I'm excited, to your point. It seems like it's going to give players a lot more flexibility and be able to own their career, which I'm excited. I want people to be empowered, which that transitions nicely to the WNBA. I was going to ask you about the current state of the league, but I first want to thank them about all of the work they've done tirelessly around social justice uh, as it relates to that. Those women have just been tireless in that effort. But then also, it's, you know, they're still growing, and there's a, still a lot of excitement to be had. So this is great to have you want to talk about this because I feel as though they're still we – could, we could all serve to – give them some extra attention and to, to watch those games. If you wanted to give your opinion about the current state of the WNBA. Yeah, the WNBA, uh, they got a lot of players that are coming up as far as, like, you know, individuals, like all-star talents. So I definitely see the landscape and I see, the, you know, the WNBA um, improving. You have Rihanna Stewart, you got um, Sabrina. Um, she's, she was high coming out of college. She got injured, but um, the games I saw her in, she was definitely balling. Um, you got Diana Taurasi still kicking. I don't know how many years she got left, but she's still balling. So Brittany Griner, Liz Cambridge, like you have a lot of different players there that all Eladon. You have – you could probably name like 15 – you have like 20 players who solid, really good players. So I'm definitely like the landscaper there. Um, Brianna Stewart balled out this past year, though. I don't <laughs> – she had a different level. Uh, yeah, Maya Moore, Maya Moore come back. Um, I don't know if she's going to come back, but yeah, Maya Moore. Yeah. So I definitely like the landscape as far as the competitive, you know, edge as far as like around the league. So the Seattle Storm won in 2020, and this is their fourth championship. Are we basically saying, I, wanna, I don't want to say unstoppable, but are they building a legacy? Are they, this is, they're like a winning machine, for lack of a better way to describe it. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're, um, they're, doing a, um, they're doing a good job for this year, led by um, Brianna Stewart. So Brianna Stewart, carrying them. I mean, long she she's in her prime. So, you know, long as she's there, they're going to be, you know, contention every year. I mean, she only, what, like 26. So, I mean, she got years left. So, as far as there, she got, you know, two championships with them. So, you know, 2018, 2020. So, yeah, I definitely could see it. I mean, to me, that, that hinges on, because before them, it was Minnesota who was winning all the time with Maya Moore. Since so Maya Moore's not in there anymore, you know, Seattle Storm picking it up. So I could see them being a, um, a powerhouse as long as she plays the way she's playing. It's important to note they did win this year, but certain key players did sit out. So, you know, Liz Cambridge, I don't, she didn't play. There are certain players that didn't play when the bubble came back, so that might have, you know, allowed them to be able to win. I'm going to hold off before I say powerhouse because I don't know if they would have won if, you know, some of those players played Eladon and all those players played. I don't know if they, if Liz Cambridge and all them played if – that team still would have got. I think Brittany Griner sat out too. So I don't. Yeah, uh, uh, we'll see. I gotta see if they do it again. And I appreciate your cautiousness there in terms of giving people a powerhouse. But if you could, and, and probably this is you probably hinted at this a little bit. What happened with the Chicago Sky? It seemed like they had a great year and all of that, and had great players. Do you, can you? Was it just really COVID basically for Chicago Sky? Yeah, I mean, with you know, you got these these new circumstances. You know, it's a lot for these players to go there and be away from your families, go to the bubble. They got everything going on outside of it, the social issues and everything like that. So, if a team didn't win it, I'm not going too crazy on them, just because you know the circumstances surrounding the year. But yeah, Charlotte's guys, I mean, they'll be fine. They got a good squad. Um, as far as like you know, players, I like Cheyenne Parker. You know, uh, they got some good players. They got Stephanie. You know, Dolson. I like her. Diamond the Shields, they got some good players. I don't think they're going to win it, though, even next year either, though, so, or the year after that either. They just oh, don't wow. got that. They don't have that signature player 
that okay. I just think is too dominant. Like, I don't think they have the Breonna Stewart or I don't think they have somebody who just go out and get you 35, maybe, like, for three games straight. Uh, they don't have that. I appreciate it. That's some very thoughtful. And you always give well-balanced analysis, which is why I like your show. Because <laughs> a lot of times um, people who comment on sports can be very hyperbolic and you tend to be very diplomatic and thoughtful. With that being said, what are your thoughts about the WNBA's influence on the NBA around social justice issues? Uh, you said the WNBA on social justice issues? What are your thoughts about the WNBA's influence on the NBA related to social justice issues? And I, I, I may have the story wrong, but as I saw it unfold, the WNBA had for years been pushing social justice issues, and then around the bubble and with everything that happened is that they reached out to the, WNBA, to the NBA, and then they, not to say players, there, there definitely have been certain players. I go all the way back to Steve Nash and the Phoenix Suns who've been aware of it, but to get it kind of a league wide, you know, many much more many more players coalescing around the issues, if that makes sense. Well WNBA always been a forefront forefront for the social justice issues. Also I think they're creative in the way they they go about it. I think the NBA had names and the you know the social justice messages and phrases on their jerseys. I think the WNBA like all come out together on the court hold up like a picture of Breonna uh, Taylor, kind of like a silence. And, like, they – I just feel – I like the creative ways they go about, you know, getting their message across. Sometimes it goes unnoticed because they're the WNBA and some people don't – for some reason they don't get covered. But what they do, I feel like they stick their neck out more than the guys sometimes, especially with, you know, communicating that message. So I definitely – they definitely need to be looked at as far as forefront in that aspect. Yeah, I definitely. So I definitely thank them both. I think they did a lot of great work, and and it just at a critical time. So thank them, and and also those who weren't in sports who were helping. And to close, you, who or what should we watch this upcoming year, 2020, as it relates to men's basketball? Of course, we were talking about the WNBA, but if you want to broadly give that answer, that would be helpful because it seems like you're giving us a lot of great tips and insight. The NBA. I guess the Nets, I mean, the Nets with KD coming back, I think they could be a um, one of the best teams in the East. They'll probably compete for a title. Boston, I don't think they have enough. I honestly think Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, it's not enough. Mm-mm. Kemba Walker, not enough. I don't think that's enough. They lost, Those they dudes, I had... Didn't they, lose, they lost Hayward, didn't they? Yeah, they lost Hayward. They lost. Yeah, they lost Hayward. You know, Kemba Walker's been injured a lot, so I don't know how his health is always going to be. But um, yeah, so I don't think they have enough. Their bench is horrible. Oh, no. Sixers, my my Sixers, they <laughs> they don't have enough to win it. Um, really? They got only because they're they have three. They have two solid pieces. Tobias Harris is way too inconsistent. And they need him to be a legit second scoring option on most nights to win. Mm -hmm. So, and I can't trust him for that. Danny Green is horrible. He lost his shot. I don't know what happened. It's like the Monstars took his powers or something. He can't shoot. Seth Curry, Seth Curry, he's a great shooter, but he's not a good defender, so I don't... And he doesn't... He doesn't create his own shot, so Mm -hmm. he's kind of... You know, players that don't create their own shot, they're dependent on, you know, other players. At least on the first game of song, so, you know... I like our bench, though. We got an okay bench, so that's fine. But, no, they're not going to win it. It's between, really, the Nets to me and the and the Clippers and Lakers. It seems that's probably going to have the best chance to win it, at least as far as NBA concerned. Do you got a, Do you got anybody you think might win in the NBA? I, don't really, I think you, you mentioned everything I would have thought. I, w- I would just say 
what I would probably say is the Heat might be consistently competitive. I mean, again, I don't see them going. I think I'm with you. I think a little bit of the bubble may have impacted them. But I'd like to say it. I think I see the Heat being, again, consistently competitive. They're good about putting the pieces in the place. They remind me of the Patriots and Belichick. He, they're very good about putting the right pieces in a place and making, making the system work. And that, to me, is very attractive because that means you can – that's more strategy and less so, like, less – you know, let's do the East Coast offense or let's, you know, or let's run the ball. I like, I'm, I'm, it's a football analogy, but, you know, that becomes very predictable. If you're throwing that ball to 80, you know, 80% of the time, we're just going to go and, and, and double, double, double defend this guy. And so your 80% of, you know, ability to score is going to be taken out. Now, I see that they don't take that approach, and that to me makes the heat very interesting, as well as the Patriots from a similar uh, reason. And there was a, collegially speaking, there were many, many years ago, uh, there was a, a documentary I watched about Texas Tech did the same thing. It's called Ragtag Group of Guys for Football, and they created something. And, and the money ball is kind of also based on that theory of statistically look at these people who are good for certain things and put them together. So that, that's why. I, and then you I got, think. yeah, I don't, I don't have the heat winning. I, I mean, even going that far again, only because they lack a superstar. Now, I know Jimmy mm-hmm. Butler had two great games and a um, couple good games in the finals, but mm-hmm. – He's just not a superstar. He's not a consistent superstar. I mean, you can't you can't average like eighteen. Like you can't be you can't have like eighteen and like six in the season. I call you a superstar. Like I think they did great in the bubble. He had great games in the bubble, but he's definitely not a superstar. And the Heat always won off of superstars. At least having one superstar, one two, however you want to have it. They had some those two games. I mean, those games he had in the finals, they they were great and they were superstar games. But he's consistently not a superstar, so we'll we'll see how it how it goes. They need a they need to they need actually not Harden, but maybe a Harden type player. Mm-hmm. They, they need somebody who Jimmy needs to be the second option, not the first. Mm-hmm. And if long, so if maybe if Bam Adebayo takes the first lead, maybe mm-hmm. I don't see it in his skill set yet. But mm-hmm. yeah, I don't got the Heat going back this year. I think when they play teams like the Nets, mm-hmm. um, they they would get beat. Teams mm-hmm. like Boston, I think Boston will actually beat them this year and um, get revenge. So, yeah, I don't see the Heat going back. I, I think Butler's a good leader, but to your point, I think all great teams that consistently win, you do need some stars. There's no – or either current or future Hall of Famers, and I think they do need to kind of re-up on that, to your point. I think he's a great leader, um, and I think that kind of – Yeah, I'll say that, yeah, definitely. For. The leadership he brings is, is great because he, he is who he is. So on that note, before we conclude part one of the two parts, uh, where can we find you and your podcast ad and keep in touch with you? And I want to thank you for being here for part one and part two. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Um, yeah, you can find us, you know, at, at Let's Talk. Talk about it on YouTube. Um, you can find us on Twitter, you know, Let's Talk About It. Us on IG. Let's Talk About It, zero, zero. Get, you know, what we're going up to and keep cooking. We're trying to, you know, get some new debate as we grow, add some different elements, improve engagement and everything. So uh, just follow us there. And um, for the new year, we're going to get start rolling again. When do the new episodes for the new year drop? So we can keep an eye out. Yeah, so uh, we're going to drop it on Tuesday of the new year. So what day is that? That is we drop on Tuesday. So we're looking at the 4th. No, the 5th. The 5th, we'll, we'll be back dropping. Okay, so you heard it there, uh, audience. So January 5th, 2021, you can check out those new episodes. Once again, we want to thank him for being here for part one and part two. And also, you can follow us, as always, on the local DMV 
uh, Business Leisure Podcast on Instagram. Also, we do have a Facebook page. I should probably promote that. Local DMV Business and Leisure on Facebook. And then also take our quiz. And once again, it's in, it'll be in the show notes. So once again, thank you so much for tuning in for part one. And part two will be there shortly. Thank you so much. Have a great day. <laughs>